Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. Thanks for making us part, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. Thanks to our friends at RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy Brickstone and Stucco Exteriors, along with Soffit, Fascia, and Rain Gutters. Check them out at rgsutahsiding.com. Howard Beck is going to join the show at 4.30. We're going to let you hear from Ryan Smith from Qualtrics at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. He was on this morning with DJ and PK talking about this testing program here in the state of Utah. uh, with the state going hand-to-hand with Silicon Slope. So we'll hear from Ryan at the uh, top of the 5 o'clock hour. But we do have a couple of items to get to, uh, get to on Gordon's list. We also have some Rex Ryan sound we're going to get to coming up as well. But, uh, Gordo, what do, uh, where are we going now? All right. I mentioned earlier that I had good news, bad news, and sad news. Okay. I'll give you the good news first. I mentioned that I was watching a Bill Gates uh, interview on The Daily Show uh, last night. And this is this is I find this heartening. Bill Gates and his foundation are uh, are funding uh, in large measure the construction of factories for seven coronavirus vaccine candidates. Uh, Apparently, these are promising candidates and they want to pour a bunch of money into finding out which one of the, the vaccines would be the most effective and the most practical, uh, and they're going to spend billions of dollars in in in, in pursuing these. Hmm. Even though Bill said that only one or two of them would be selected, and so what's going to happen is that they are going to quote unquote waste billions of dollars pursuing vaccine candidates that w- that will ultimately be discarded. Hmm. But in order to find the best two, I and this is uh, I mean, I have to applaud this move. How could you do anything but with Bill Gates spearheading this kind? Now, he's got obviously billions and billions of dollars, but to be willing to to channel that kind of money in that noble pursuit, I, I just tip of the cap to Bill. He's one of those uh, billionaires who's committed to donating the vast majority of his fortune to uh, to um, charity after he passes, right? Where his family will get a certain percentage, but the vast, vast majority of it is going to go back to, you know, community. I mean, this is obviously an extraordinary situation, but he's kind of got that generosity that we don't always see with the billionaires. Well, he was asked, uh, are you really willing to dispense with that much money? And he said, well, first, uh, you know, first of all, there's a welfare of the people involved that are hanging in the balance now. And, uh, and he said, as far as financial or economic terms, there are trillions and trillions of dollars at stake here for healthy economies around the globe. So I, I, I just that, that is good on him that he's willing to do that. So I sure hope wouldn't that be great if they found, if they got a vaccine, Jake? I mean. Holy cow, that that might put the world back on its axis again. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, well, the the sooner the better, certainly. And as they're they're you know getting better treatments and that sort of thing, you hope 
you, you know, the, the whole thing, Gordon, and I know we've mentioned this a bunch of times, but the, the whole point in, in flattening the curve is to not overwhelm the healthcare system and to bias time for things like treatment and vaccines. And so really, every, it, it, it seems like every day that passes, we're seeing little uh, bits of news like this that is very promising. And I, I will say, like, it, it appears that our community and, and everybody, you know, whether it's fast enough, I don't know, you can make some different arguments, but it, it feels like we're doing our best to tackle this thing one day at a time and make progress one day at a time. Um, uh, I think it was, was it the governor who said today that... Um, the, the tech industry here in Utah over two weeks has accomplished what it would usually take a year to do. And I, right? I find stuff like that pretty inspiring, actually, and pretty um, uh, uplifting uh, as I try. And, and I'm trying all the way through this thing to, to remain optimistic. I love stuff like that where they accomplished what would normally take a year accomplished in two weeks. And that's just here locally. That's really, really amazing. But, you know, it, it takes a lot of great effort, certainly financially, like you're talking about with Bill Gates. But, I mean, that's the whole point. We got to we gotta stay inside and stay home, and we got to flatten the curve to buy us time to save as many lives as possible with treatments and, yes, of course, the vaccine. Yeah, in the meantime, like you said, stay safe for the good of yourself, your family, your loved ones your community, your state, your country, your globe, uh, until they get those vaccines. And, and uh, I, I, mean, I hope they fast track it. All right, here's the, the news that will make you mad. All right? Okay. Uh, Jake, I know you hate this stuff, but a Brooklyn man who I guess had COVID-19 was arrested for hoarding medical supplies and selling them at a 700% Oh, that's terrible. So he already had it, and that's the that's what the story said. And it said that when the co- cops came to arrest him, he coughed on him. Hmm. That now that is just that is just awful. I mean, that's well that that's felonious, right? I mean, you could that's that's putting other people's lives in danger. I bet he's going to face some prosecution for that. On top of. Uh, the gouging on on medical supplies. Here's the, here's the thing. I actually not that I excuse it, but I actually somewhat understand hoarding. Right? It's an impulsive behavior, and you know when times are tough, we often think about ourselves. Right? I mean, again, I'm not excusing anything, but I can at least understand that. The the gouging, I don't really understand. And I certainly don't understand if you've tested positive for coronavirus intentionally coughing on somebody. I mean, that's just that's just awful. But I, I understand the impulse of hoarding. I don't understand gouging. All right. Well, I, I agree with you. Uh, but I don't even understand. I mean, I understand it, but I wish everyone with would hold off on the on the hoarding uh, just because. Oh, yeah, I certainly don't excuse know. it. It's yeah. it's not good for anybody, but at least I, I get it. Right. You understand why somebody would feel that way. This you is know, we're all kind of scared Wait. and that's how you respond. But the, the gouging, I mean, you're just screwing people over. Well, you got all these industries out there with uh, with uh, the delivery systems that they have that are keeping the stores stocked as quickly and as 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 carefully as as possible. But uh, you know why 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 go buy everything right now? What you do is you just sort of do it responsibly for the time being, and then you start saving up for a rainy day when it's not at a premium. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. You're here. All right, and then there's this sad news, man. I don't. Do you believe? Wait, wait, wait. wait. That uh, so far, this has been the happy part of the segment. That was the mad part. Oh, okay. This is the sad part. Uh, 
Why did we do it in this order? <laughs> Good grief! Yeah, well, we got Rex Ryan at the end of it all to make us to, to make us chuckle a well, little bit. Well, it's not all that funny, I suppose, but okay. <laughs> okay, the, I don't know how to say this uh, on a show when we're trying to have some fun. This is a tragedy, but um, do you believe in the Kennedy curse? No. Well, apparently it has been extended now because Robert Kennedy's granddaughter and her son have gone missing uh, from a canoe in the Chesapeake Bay. It's awful. It's terrible. Terrible. And I don't know what the deal is. And maybe maybe every family out there suffers tragedies, but don't you think the Kennedys have had more than their fair share? Yeah, yeah, but there's, you know, there's... There's a lot of suffering in the world, unfortunately. Glenn. Yeah, I suppose. And there yeah, are a lot of families that have it a lot worse off than the Kennedys. I don't want to downplay anything because that's just truly awful. But there's a lot of people dealing with some stuff out there. Yeah, I suppose. But that family has had uh, had a whole lot of heartache in it. And it, what's weird, what was strange about this is, uh, Jake, I know that you've been in that area before as uh, going back there to, to vacation with relatives back there. But we, I've been there. Uh, as well, it was near Annapolis, and man, I tell you that one that one got me a little bit because uh, the Kennedys, right back from in the '60s, when uh, when uh, John and Bobby were assassinated, man, that that when I think of kids, five, six, seven year old kids these days who are absorbing information about the coronavirus and its effect on the world, they will never forget this. I don't think. And that's why that information needs to be processed or responsibly or taught or talked about in a way that kids can process it and not feel jittery or, or uh, too much anxiety over it and yet still be safely informed about taking care of themselves and, and being conscientious as far as germs and whatnot go. I was a kid when Kennedy was killed, and uh, it, it, it affected me, man. It, I remember that. I remember watching that on TV. To this day, it, uh, it, it had an impact on me. And obviously, it did on a whole lot of other Americans and people around the globe. But when you're a kid and you're trying to process these things, it's kind of a tricky deal, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I, I didn't know you were a kid. I thought you went to – didn't you go to college with Joe, the old man? <laughs> Well, that's... Were you classmates with Joe? <laughs> uh, bro, no, not no, really. But no, Sorry, uh, I thought no, I'd mix in maybe joke. an old joke just to, you know, lighten the, lighten the mood. Uh, I appreciate a bit. that. Uh, all but, right, tell the, tell, tell the people about Rex Ryan. No, just to, I'll, I'll honestly respond. You know, going through stuff like that as a, as a child can't help but impact your upbringing, right? I, I mentioned this yesterday. I wonder how this whole situation is going to impact my two-and-a-half-year-old going forward. She, how aware how aware is she of what's going on? Oh, more so than than well, I I'm I'm fine with her being aware, but I mean she she's used the word germs and virus and she's asked why she has to wash her hands so much and why she's not going to school and all that stuff. Mm. So I mean she's she's aware of it. So I I, I wonder about that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Should we talk about this Rex Ryan thing? Because he yeah. actually has since apologized for this, by the way. But uh, Rex, Weird. Like someone who wants a coaching job again someday? Or? Rex <laughs> spitting hot takes on uh, ESPN this morning had this to say about Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper. 
I wouldn't have paid this guy. To me, this is the biggest disappearing act in the National Football League. He doesn't show up on the road. He doesn't show up against, when the competition's good, when he's against the top corners, that guy disappears. And to me, he reminds me, it's only one time that I can remember in, 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 in recent memory on elite receivers and disappearing acts like Amari Cooper. That was a kid that the Raiders had um, a few years ago. Oh, that's right. That was Amari Cooper. This is who he is. And Dan, he doesn't love football. Hell with it. He stops his routes. He does all this. I wouldn't have paid this turd. No way in hell. All right. No way in hell would I have paid this guy. To me, you pay Dak Prescott. Forget all those numbers. That, you know, they're number one in the league because of Dak Prescott, not because of this guy. It's a deep draft at receiver. They made a huge mistake right here. Wow. Gordon, reaction. Well, I'm torn on this one because he was giving his honest opinion there. And is it fact? I don't think it's fact, but it's his impression. And uh, should, should he be forced to apologize for that? Well, what he apologized for and what he should have apologized for is calling Amari Cooper a name. Yeah, I've got, I've that, got no problem. Was, no problem yeah. with the opinion. I, I, mm-hmm. Actually, I think he's pretty accurate to be honest. Uh, and I, I actually like a former coach having the stones to, to you know, really spit out a, a powerful opinion like that. Uh, that's great. Uh, that's what he's being paid to do. I think that's terrific. But it, during all of this, Gordon, can we just take a break from the name calling? Maybe we, we need to make it a permanent break. But I mean, like I just I see it, it seems like we've become a, a little less sensitive to that sort of thing in today's day and age. Can we just stop with that? Just stop yeah. with the, the the name calling. It's so unnecessary. Does Rex Ryan really need to call Amari Cooper a turd to get his point across? Absolutely not. So and can we the, just the, stop the, that? Well, what's interesting about that is that reflects poorly on him rather than on Amari. Right. Yeah. And so it backfires from that standpoint. And I agree with you completely. But expressing opinion these days, and you hit the nail on the head because we there are certain coaches who will come on and you ask them their opinion and everything is wonderful. You know, they will not express any kind of negativity at all. And I get it. I mean, I understand coaches needing to stay positive and whatnot. But oftentimes they're not doing it to stay positive. They're doing it to remain popular. And to keep a certain decorum amongst coaches when what they're saying is not the truth. And so, at least from certain people's perspective. And so, what should someone say? Should you say the truth or should you, you know, flower it up to the point where it's not really your opinion and it's not the truth anymore? So, it's a double lie. In this day and age, it seems like we want people to express opinion, but when they do, we criticize them for it. I'm just glad to hear that Jake has uh, changed his mind on calling people that name. Austin is a turd. Oh, hey. means a lot to me, actually. Hey. Just, no, I'm happy that you're coming along here. First of all, that was off If it took Rex air. Ryan, If it took Sir, Rex Ryan to wait, fix wait, this relationship, wait, fine. Wait, 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 wait. He recorded something you said off air? Yeah, you just heard it. <laughs> that is a violation. That is a Against violation. What rule? 
Pog. It's the rule of producing decency. What about the rule of not calling people potty words? That was a joke. <laughs> and I even, is a I even did it in potty song. Words? In song. Oh, do you want the song? Right. No, 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 no. no. We'll hey, the song. hey. We'll All right, we'll Did have more coming up next. Oh, Did daily drops at five thirty. Yeah. Holy cow! Hmm. No, what? No need. No need to use that word. Yeah, but, Jake. But express strong <laughs> opinions. Don't be afraid to do it. And uh, if you can back it up, all the better. But uh, don't be asking people for their opinion and then criticize them for giving it. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the opinion. Uh, I 100%. He's paid to deliver it. He brought a strong one. I actually think it's a pretty insightful opinion. You know, he's been consulted on uh, on salary cap moves and those sorts of things, obviously over his entire head coaching career. But do you really need to to call names on national TV? That's just not necessary. His point could have could have uh, gotten across just the same without uh, without the type of personal attack. Austin, can I hear that one more time? No, oh, what are we doing? 530. Uh, stop it. Uh, all right, I just wonder. What are you doing? <laughs> Tune in at 530. It might make a return. We'll see. Yeah. Let's just flush this whole segment. Okay. Oh, there it is. We'll have uh, more coming up next. Uh, the great Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report is going to join us for your NBA Daily Assist right around the corner. We have the Not Sports Report coming up at 450. We're going to let you hear the interview with Ryan Smith from Qualtrics at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. He was on with DJ and PK this morning. It's all straight ahead right here on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. We're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here momentarily, your NBA Daily Assist. We'll check in with Howard on, on the latest, Gordon. There's uh, continue to be reports. We'll, uh, we'll talk about this. Did you see this report from Sham Sharania that said the NBA is proposing to the NBA PA that players take a 50% paycheck reduction beginning April 15th. The NBA PA has counter-proposed a 25% reduction of paychecks starting in mid-May. So we kind of knew about this, that they would be negotiating, but there's there's some figures that we, we saw today. Boy, the difference between 25% and 50% in some of these contracts is huge. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. Well, it's it's something that they're going to have to be they're going to have to to figure out because, you know, the way that the rules work right now, next year's salary cap, Gordon, if they just do everything by the book, think about next year's salary cap because they they pay these players based on the basketball related income, not necessarily based on the figures that we're familiar with. In fact, I think a lot of people don't know they keep 10 percent of all players salaries in an escrow account. So if that BRI number adjusts, players will actually earn more or less than we think they do. Does that make a Does that make any sense? So well, then it's, then it's going to drop like a rock, right? And and there is that clause in the in the CBA where they sacrifice one percent of every game played, but it doesn't look like that's going to be sufficient because if you go by the book, then what are players going to make next year when that BRI measurement is you know combine the the China Daryl Morey mess with you know what's happened here and I, I mean that number is going to be 
I mean, what a percentage lower than it was this year. I mean, it's going to be significant, right? You'd think like 25, 30, 40 percent. Man, this this is yes. This is this has been such a crazy year. I this may I mean I know that there have been wars out there and whatnot, but man, this has affected everybody in our country in a major way. Yep. Well, I mean, you can make an argument. Everybody around the world has felt the, the yes. this yeah. one way or another. I mean, whether it's you know friends, family, economically speaking, uh, you know, um, thoughts and good vibes go out to the folks that are actually battle, battling this thing as we speak. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a person on the planet that hasn't been a- impacted in one way or another. Indeed, and and to think that. Uh, maybe we weren't paying close enough attention and maybe the government wasn't paying close enough attention. Maybe leadership wasn't paying close enough attention. But two two months ago, was anybody thinking about this? Nope. Wow. Talk hmm. about a tidal wave. Yeah, it, it certainly has been. And, and I mean, we, we talk about the NBA and we talk about these details because we're a sports radio station. But, I mean, the truth is, you know, companies all over the globe are going through something similar in how to, uh, to deal with this thing. And, and I remember uh, before all this started and all this began, Gordon, we, we talked about how devastating it would be if everything ground to a halt. Well, everything is grind, grinding to a halt and we're seeing those effects. Do you know when the first time you heard about the coronavirus was? Oh, it's got to be going back to January, probably, but I don't remember a specific day. Right, and but but when you first heard about, I think anytime you hear about a virus like that, you think, oh my gosh, I hope that's under control. But early on, I, I wasn't thinking like, oh man, this place, this is going to have this kind of impact. I I had no clue. I wish. I, I don't want to get political on our show, but I wish from a national standpoint, I wish that there had been a little more foresight on this. Is that being unreasonable to wish that? I I, I don't know. I don't know. We try to avoid political statements on on our show, but, but I'll tell you, that's you, you wish there had been a little more perception from people who may or should have been informed. All right. It's time for your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, he makes the magic happen at the Bleacher Report and joins us on Fridays. He's the one and only Howard Beck. Howard, uh, how are you doing? Doing all right, guys. How are you? Oh, we're we're hanging in. I think uh, you know, like the rest of the world, we're just trying to to deal with this thing as as best we can. Um, how are you doing? How are how are things on the ground in New York? Um, the same. Obviously, the numbers keep going up here. But um, as uh, as I've mentioned to you guys, you know, in the last couple of weeks, it's you know, when you're staying inside all the time, you don't really you know notice it. It's not it's not an evident thing. But I you know it the, it gets quieter and quieter on the streets when we're out for our daily walks. And um, but we're you know me and my family doing well. We're all healthy and uh, doing our doing our best, do our part to. Uh, <laughs> stay inside as much as possible and i i guess it's i guess it's now officially time to start making homemade masks so uh 
you know, maybe maybe it's a family art project for the weekend. Man, I'll tell you, Howard, this is uh, this is so devastating to so many people and has affected so many lives. I was just thinking about that as Jake asked you, Howard, how are you? And you know exactly what he's referring to. And when you, typically I could only remember maybe maybe this first time in my life where you ask somebody, how are you? How are you? And you you know what he's talking about. That is just unbelievable. It, it's not a perfunctory question anymore. Right. It's, a, it's yeah. like this is a really interesting thing, and I've noticed this myself as I've done whether I'm recording my podcast or reaching out to people that I haven't talked to in a while or, or whatever. It's not the like it, it has become such a reflexive thing, right? We talk to you know, call somebody, whatever. Hey, how you doing? Whatever, and we're not really asking. It's it's mm. it is a a perfunctory, reflexive question that we ask and it's, it's really just kind of a this is what we do it's a social nicety and then we move on to what we really wanted to call about and now when you're emailing someone saying hope you're well or how are you like there's meaning behind it because right now we we, we truly are having to be concerned for everybody's just basic day-to-day well-being and so yeah it's it's, it's an interesting kind of subtle but but meaningful i think an inflection point in this whole thing Do you think, Howard, this will affect New Yorkers? They're known for a lot of things. But do you think at some point uh, as this process is dealt with and gone through, lived through, experienced, that it will bring New Yorkers closer together? You know, I wasn't here for 9-11. We moved here three years after that. Um, I've been here for a few other, you know, just moments in in this city. where where things seem to you know a little bit uh, uh, dire, we have, you know, transit strike, a hurricane, um, nothing obviously on the scale of this, and nothing on the scale of nine eleven. But this is a city where you know there's a, a, a you know a perception that people here are too busy with their daily lives and that everybody's a little bit brusque and moving too fast to bother with you know helping each other out. What I've always noticed in my time here, you know, as you guys know, I'm from California originally, but I've been here sixteen years now. The, the the softer side of New York, the, the aspect of New York of, of people looking out for each other is actually very noticeable on a day-to-day basis, even in, even in normal times, if you look for it, you see it. Like I, I, you know, seen three different people once relay an umbrella that somebody left on a subway train and they walked off and just before the doors are closing, somebody grabbed it, t- t- tossed it to somebody else who got it to this person before they, you know, left the platform and before the door closed. Um, that's a little thing, but I, I, I do think that there's a big heart in this city in general and it, it gets lost amid all the, just the hustle and bustle of the daily routine here. But I think in a time like now, I think people are that much more sensitized to needing to look out for each other, for sure. And I think that once this crisis is over, and, you know, like right now, we have this strange but almost kind of pleasant feeling of, wow, the city doesn't feel as crowded. And, you know, like I haven't been on a subway in three weeks, so, but I'm sure they're abandoned. Um, but even on the streets, you know, there's no cars and everything. And while it's eerie, it's also, there's a calm here that you don't normally get in this city. And I think to an extent, you kind of, you know, in a, in a awkward way, kind of appreciate it because because it is unique. But I also think that we're probably going to be happy to get the, the crowded sidewalks back and, and just getting that back to normal, where you know, where we're jostling, we're elbow to elbow, but but maybe maybe with a little bit more, um, you know, kindness and courtesy mixed in once things get back to normal. But um, I, this is obviously 
you know, it affects every city. It affects every community. Everywhere is probably not feeling the same as it normally would. I do think it's more pronounced in a city like this just because of the nature of, of New York. Howard Beck is with us from the Bleacher Report on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Howard, we saw the report from Shams today uh, talking about how the NBA is negotiating with the NBA PA to take a um, – the NBA wants players to take a 50% paycheck reduction starting April 15th. The PA is countered with uh, 25%. How difficult is it going to be for the two sides to, to navigate this thing? Yeah, this is uncharted territory. It's not like a lockout where it's just, hey, we're shut down and you just not aren't getting paid because business isn't in and, and because we're 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 you know, we're at odds over the actual terms of our business arrangement. So the, in a lockout, it's, it's a little bit cleaner. This is, you know, this is this is a, a a crisis that's been been thrust upon the NBA as obviously as well as every other business on earth, um, and so. You know what does it take to preserve the um, the, the business structure itself, and, and to you know keep teams in business and to keep team employees uh, paid and, and and everything else. You know how much of that should be sacrificed by the uh, by the, the the team. You know the owners of teams versus the, the players. I mean the the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. You know, makes you know in, in the best of times, it makes a, a, a very obvious split of, of it's about fifty-fifty um, in terms of their their take from from basketball-related income (BRI). In a time like this, do you then say, well, pr- the principles should should apply where we share equally in the losses? And I, th- I think it's a fair point that could be made by the owners. I have not spoken to anybody from the union recently to know what their rationale would be for them to take less of a hit than the owners are. Um, but, of course, if you're the, the union representing the players, you're going to try to preserve as much of their pay as possible. Um, could this become a fight that's on the scale of some of the things that we've seen during labor battles in this league? I don't think so. I think, you know, ultimately because this is a, a, a delicate and, and difficult time for all of society that I, I think they'll they'll – They'll figure out a way to, to, to you know, come to terms without it turning into something, you know, some kind of spectacle. I mean, the last thing anybody's going to want to see in the public at a time like this would be, you know, the, the uh, you know, so-called, you know, the, 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 um, the proverbial billionaires versus millionaires battle, right? Like, nobody wants to see it at a time when unemployment's just hit, you know, a historic high. So I, I would hope that, that they'll figure this out um, quickly and quietly and, and without it becoming a spectacle because it, it would it would be a really bad look for the league if there's a, a battle again between billionaires and millionaires over how to split the losses Howard I know you went to medical school but then didn't, didn't finish but let me, <laughs> let me let me ask you anyway uh, based on what you're what you're reading what you're researching what you're experiencing are you more optimistic or less optimistic that uh, we're going to see some basketball yet this uh, this season? I think less, only because things keep falling off the calendar. You know, Wimbledon is gone now. Um, you know, things that that are that were scheduled in July. You know, the, the the Democratic National Convention has just been pushed back by at least a month. And if if you don't think you can have the Democratic National Convention in July and, and you need to postpone till August and, and even then, who knows if that's still gonna happen even then, that means that you're not having mass gatherings in July. Mm-hmm. And so that you you gotta think that you know, and the same thing with Wimbledon. If if things that were scheduled for July that involve mass gatherings are being postponed or canceled, 
I don't see how we can expect that the NBA is going to be functioning then. Now, if we're just assuming that the NBA is going to do the so-called bubble, where players and coaches and training staffs and, and everybody else are all in some central location where everybody's been quarantined and everybody's been tested and, and all of this, well, maybe. Um, and, and again, the idea of NBA games being played in, in gyms, maybe in team practice facilities with nobody in them, it still requires a lot of people, though. Like, you can't put on a game with fewer than probably 50, 60 people, maybe even 100 because by the time you have you know, two full rosters of players and coaching staffs and medical personnel and trainers and game operations, scorekeepers, statisticians, and, and it, certainly a TV crew, because the whole point of staging it again is to have them televised, and then probably a radio crew, like it, it adds up really fast. So I, I just, if, you, if, if, if mass gatherings in other sports and in other you know, parts of our society are being postponed from July. I just don't see how the NBA is going then. And, and if that's not the case, you know, I, I just I don't know when when that horizon is. But um, I, 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 the longer this goes on without much of an end in sight, uh, I, I get I get more pessimistic about it. Yeah. Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Howard, I think, and this is probably a pretty obvious opinion, but um, this is going to change society. Uh, even when we come out of this, things are going to change. I mean, just a, a, a small example, working from home. It's a great experiment on having the workforce uh, telecommute, so to speak. But what la- lasting impacts on sports and basketball in particular do you think this thing may have? That's a really tough one, to be honest. Um, you, you can see where, you know, look, uh, the, the traffic is down, the air is cleaner, waterways are cleaner. All this, we have these, these phenomenal environmental impacts for the for the good. And you kind of think, man, when we all get back to normal, can we can we at least normalize the idea of people working from home more often? Like it's never going to be like this, but can we get? You know, they could, as, as a society, could we agree that it's better to promote more working from home for the sake of less um, commute traffic and less congestion and less pollutants in the air and, and all this? Like, can, we, can we at least get there? So that's one like, I, I look at and I think that could that be a lasting legacy of this, this national shutdown. But from a sports perspective, it's hard to know because whatever normal is, um, it, it presumes that the, the virus is under control and that games can just proceed as normal. And I don't know that that has an impact on, on, on how you play or stage a basketball game. I don't know that it's going to, you know, I, I don't, if there's still concerns about the virus being out there and a threat when the NBA resumes, okay, maybe we're talking about, you know, you know how, to, how to manage fans at games and, and, and who, you know, does everybody have to be, show a card that shows that they were tested and they're, and they're, they're, they're negative for the virus or that, I don't know. Like I, it, it's, it's beyond that, again, assuming everything's normal, assuming that we've, we've gotten beyond the virus, I think sports are just kind of back to, to normal. I mean, maybe there's more Purell in the arenas, but <laughs> um, maybe, maybe the high five goes away in favor of, of forearm bashes. Right. Uh, but I don't think so. I think we're probably going to still have high fives and people are still going to shake hands and all that other stuff. Uh, but but who knows? Like, like we it's we've gotten so used to this social distancing right now and then lack of contact. Um, it's it's really hard to know how it'll affect anything, including sports. It makes me wonder if uh, vaccination will have to be prevalent and provided uh, in order for things to go back to normal, uh, Howard. And if that's the case, 
then how, will they be able to fast track that? I saw that Bill Gates is yeah. dumping billions of dollars in pursuing various uh, vaccinations that would be effective. I, I, I don't know. This is a mystery ride. It really is. It is. It is. I don't know what what constitutes safe. You know what? What is what? what you know what's our bar going to be for saying it's safe for people to go back to normal? What's what's safe for twenty thousand people to be in an NBA arena again at the same time? Um, it, it's it's all uncharted territory, and there there is no easy answer here. I don't know that there even the smartest minds out there, the epidemiologists and then and the doctors and public health officials working on this, I don't think could give you a, a solid answer on on most of these things right now. Well, Howard, thank you as always for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it, and uh, hang in there and stay safe. Absolutely, guys. Same to you. Be well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Howard. You you. too. Uh, The great Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report. He joins us each and every Friday here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, Jake, I was going to bring up the the Hall of Fame uh, candidates and uh, the inductees, the guys who are definitely going to make it in. But even that is tinged with sadness, hmm. with Kobe Bryant's inclusion. Yep. You know? It's just, oh, man, everybody's just trying to find a way to fight through. Yeah, 2020 just has not been real great so far, has it? Mm-mm. No. No. It, it just hasn't. Uh, and hopefully, you know, things better things are on the horizon, Gordon. We just have to get through it. There's no doubt. And, you know, Howard, I, li- I kind of liked his New Yorker attitude because uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of in the middle of the worst of it. And I like that, that strength from that, that attitude uh, coming through. That's good. And I liked how uh, when we were talking about, hi, how are you? How that is no longer a perfunctory greeting. You know, it actually means, no, no. How are you? Yeah. Uh, I wish it still were, though. Does that make sense? Yeah. You wish it I wish still it were still was a just throwaway. A, yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I totally man. agree. I mean, really, everyone that we've asked that question to on our air has taken on a new meaning. Hmm. All right. Every single time. Little Not Sports Report. Can I make a request for the Not Sports Report coming up next? Make it yes. happy? Yeah. Will you just, yeah, something, something not gloomy. Okay. Is that all right? Yes. Okay. Can we do that? Yes, we can. A not gloomy, not sports port. A miracle, even. It might be weird, but I, weird's fine. Just not gloomy, okay? Not not Kennedy's dying. Let's not let's not. Do I won't that. talk about the donkey that got dragged into the uh, to the uh, crocodile pit and got eaten alive. Well, you just did. All right, more next. Stay tuned. It's the big show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. 
It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Wales. Wales, okay. Apparently, you know, obviously over there they have some of the uh, the same concerns right now with health as uh, as we do here. But there is this beautiful little town in Wales that's next to the coast. It's known as, I want to say, Landudno. Is that how you say that? Nailed it. Not sure about the, the pronunciation there. But the town obviously has been kind of, the streets are empty right now uh, because of the isolation that's going on. But another species is apparently taking over the entire village. Goats. Goats. Apparently the goats have grown quite bold. Uh, They've taken over the town and taking power from the people uh, back into the hands of the animal world. Taking power from the people. They're not winning elections. (laughs) Not yet, Jake. (laughs) 122 Kashmiri goats have migrated... From uh, from the uh, some some of the uh, a, a, a more rural area near the seaside town, and they have uh, taken the town by storm. This is a quote from uh, one of the locals: "The roads and streets are so empty uh, that the goats have become confident. They're wandering down the high street and don't seem to care if they see a car or anybody." Man, you should see the pictures of these goats. They are audacious. Hmm. What would you do if you lived in that town, Gordon? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know, but apparently there's a town in Italy that have uh, that has wild boars taking over. I think I'd rather have goats than boars. Yeah, me too. But, you know, I mean, well, uh, the only thing that's close to this is here in America, in Tampa, where a single goat has taken over the town. How does a single goat take over the town? How does that happen? You want to explain that to him, Austin? <laughs> oh, goat Tom Brady. He uh, moved into a, he moved into another uh, some people call goats house. What a dumb joke. That was terrible. <laughs> Are you kidding? You 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 went into pro bowl mode on that, really? Well, that was because that was ridiculous. <laughs> you should How see does one goat take over a town? <laughs> you should see you should see the videos and pictures from this little town where the goats are are running wild. It's it's I mean they're just they're just sitting in the bushes, sitting in the grass, eating whatever they want. You know, it's just, and there's no people, just goats. Have you ever eaten goat? Uh, I don't even think I've had goat milk. Oh, I've had goat cheese for sure, but I, I can you eat goat? I don't even know. Uh, what's the difference between a goat and a, and a, like a sheep, like a lamb? One goes to heaven. Uh, let's see here. Would, can would goat you taste like a, goat? a lamb chop? A goat chop? I don't know. Uh. I guess you can, but apparently it's it's very difficult to do well. <laughs> Why is it tough? Is it tangy? Is it? Uh, let's see here. Goats are not good feedlot animals because of. Uh, let's see. No. 
I don't know. Apparently... That, anyway, this isn't a good article. I don't know. Apparently, it just doesn't happen. Well, all right. Well, the goats have taken over the town, so... The and Tom is it Brady true? joke, is it, is jeez. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't catch on to jeez. that. Do, uh, do goats really... Do goats eat, like, clothes and stuff, or is that just an old I thought they thing? ate oh, cans. What was that? I thought they ate cans. Isn't that a thing? By the way, I just used the term old wives' tale. Is that politically incorrect now? I have no idea. Me neither. Sorry if that's offensive in some way to someone. Uh, yes, goats will absolutely eat tin cans. How about that? Wow. All right. Well, maybe they are a tear, but they have taken over. So How about that? If the goats show up, I've heard of curses before, like locusts and frogs and things like that, but goats? Hmm. Tom Brady. What a what a what a what a bad joke. All right, coming up next, we're gonna let you hear an interview that Ryan Smith, uh, the founder and CEO of Qualtrics, did with DJ and PK this morning as uh, the Silicon Slopes helped to combat the coronavirus right here in Utah. We'll talk about it coming up next here on the Big Show, 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone. Yeah. All right.